Praise the Lord. Well, God bless you. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Just thank Brother Womack also uh, for these greetings. And we have a couple of people here with us from Arkansas, Doug and Diana, just wave at us. Amen. They drove up. So, you know, you always appreciate that. Have somebody that you know in your corner. So if the amen start getting weak, Doug, let me hear you say amen. amen. All right. So, you know, if y'all don't want to help me, I brought my own help. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But hasn't this been wonderful thus far? Lord has blessed us. Amen, amen, amen. How many veterans do we have? If you have veterans, would you just hold your hand up? Praise God, my brothers and sisters. Now, if you were in the Air Force, you shouldn't have raised your hand. That's almost military, the Air Force is almost. <laughs> no, we love the Air Force. The Academy is just down the street there. And uh, just thank God. You know, and I always say this, that uh, uh, as far as the military is concerned, it's, it's, a, it's a whole country fight because not only those that go, but those that stay behind and send them. So you, you deserve just as much credit as those that go and fight. And so we thank God for that. I'm going to get right down to it, uh, to what I have, something that's just near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, for some people, it doesn't make a difference, but for me, it makes a big difference. I'm going to talk about unity across racial and cultural lines overcoming the spirit of division. Right. Overcome the spirit of division. So look, look with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 3. You know, as any, any minister, real preacher of the gospel can tell you, the most difficult thing is to, is to stop. You can get started, but find a way to stop. It's tough. Because, you know, it's kind of like a, a, an alcoholic. They don't know, they're drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and they don't know when to stop. That's how you become an alcoholic. Well, that's how you get drunk on the Holy Ghost. You just drink and drink, and then you want to stay up here, but you can't do that. All right, did you find that? First Corinthians chapter 3. Now, let's, let's get started. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto were you not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able for ye are yet carnal. You're yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as mere men, one translation says, and walk as men. Now, James 3.16 says this, and I'll go ahead and read this before I get into commentary here. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Right. Not other evil works, but every evil work. Right. So this spirit of division opens the door and allows every evil work there is to come in. It's like a door stopper. You open the door and, you, and, and that division is to stop her and let all of his cohorts come in. Everything else that has to do with the ills of the world come in through this spirit of division. Right. Now this, this, this spirit of division is the most destructive force we face today. I mean, there's nothing worse going on than this division that's taking place. And we're divided by every type of difference that you can find. And the most insidious of these is the racial and ethnic divisions that's taking place. And it's still, you know, and, and, and the part, the biggest part that I have that, that bothers me, I say bothers me, but the real problem is not in the world, as someone stated earlier today, the world is the world, but it's in the church. 
It's in a church. I'm from the South. I don't know how y'all do it up here. All right. But this spirit is running loose in the church at large. Now, our church where I pastor is out in the county. I'm not a city boy, so I love this. Oh, if, you know, if I could just use my 30 minutes to stand and just look at those mountains, but that's not what they called me here to do. But it's beautiful. Y'all are so blessed up here. Give yourself a hand. Hallelujah. But we live out in the county, and, and we've been there now for about 20 years. And I've been hearing these two statements here from people uh, all the time that we've been there. I thought y'all were a white church. Then somebody will come by and they'll say, I thought y'all were a black church. That's why I didn't come. I didn't come because y'all were a white church. Or the other group will say, I didn't come because I thought y'all were a black church. And, uh, you know, I, I just say to them, well, I, I didn't know that Jesus was black or white. I didn't know there was a black church. I didn't know there was a white church. I, I didn't know that. Maybe that's, you know, you look at the Lord, you go, Lord, okay, if the white folks won't come because they think black folks are here, and the black folks won't come because they think white folks are here, you put me in a dilemma. <laughs> you know, there's a few in between, shades in between, but uh, we're going to be in real trouble here if you don't do something about this. But why is that? I mean, if we're Christians. This one lady, she stopped by, and uh, she saw me working in the yard up there, so she stopped. And uh, she said, now, 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 now think about this. The Lord told her this is where she's supposed to go to church. That's what the Lord told her. That's this is where she's supposed to go to church. So she drove by our church for five years. Because she wasn't sure who was on the inside. She felt comfortable enough to, uh, to ask me a question because I was out there working in the yard. So she thought I was the hired Sure. So she felt comfortable enough to say, to ask me what type of church was white or black. She didn't know she was talking to the pastor. I guess she thought I had a lawn service or something. <laughs> so she felt comfortable talking to, you know, some hired help. But let's ask yourself, where is the church on this issue? Are, are we leading the charge against racial division? Are we silent on the subject? Or are we part of the cause of division? Is the rest of America and the rest of the world taking their cues from us? The answer is to some degree, yes, on all, all the questions. Because what's taking place in the world is a reflection of, already, of what's already taking place in the church. He's like, ah. If the church sees everybody according to skin color, what more can we expect out of the world? All right. Because a divided church cannot heal a divided world. Can't do it. Can't do it. So ask yourself this, do we have a color problem or do we have a cultural problem that manifests itself as a color problem? Or is both is a little bit of both and some other things thrown in the mix? What's at work here is called the spirit of division. That's what's at work. How does the body of Christ move on from here to become what Jesus prayed that we would become? And that's one. All right. Let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for ye are all one. For ye are all what? One. Where? In Christ. For you are all one in Christ. None of this other stuff. And if we are one in Christ, then we cannot be divided. If we're one in Christ, we cannot be divided. Second Corinthians 5, verse 15, let's start at verse 15. And he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. We don't live unto ourselves. But unto him which died for them and rose again, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Now watch this next statement here. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, know we him no more, yet now henceforth know we him no more after the flesh. So you get all these discussions. Is Jesus white or is Jesus black? You see some folk got pictures of Jesus, they black. Some folk got pictures of Jesus, he white. He got blonde hair, he got red hair, he got all this different type of hair. For personally, I don't have a picture of Jesus in my house or the church. And someone's always trying to prove Jesus was this color, Jesus that color. I said, look, I don't care if Jesus is green with pink polka dots. Well, what I do care about, what I do know is in December 1986, when I got on my bed about 10.30, got on my knees about 10.30 that night and asked Jesus to come into my heart in my bedroom, there was no choir singing, there was no preacher preaching. I just asked him to come into my heart, and when I, when I felt that weight come off of my shoulders, I didn't care what color Jesus was, and I still don't care. I don't care if he got, you know, plaid-faced. What difference does it make? He saved me. How do you get into all that? And again, we can't give in to that. We don't even know Jesus after the flesh. We either believe this or we just rip it out the Bible and don't use it again because then we're liars. We can't do it. So according to the word of God, we are not to recognize one another according to the flesh anymore if you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, because you're a new creation, you are something that never existed before. So if you see yourself as a white man, a black man, or this man, or that man, as Bishop was talking about, this, all these hyphens, then you either you that or you in Christ. Which one? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Which one? Let's move on down. Verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We all know this. If any man be where? In Christ. He's a what? New creature. What about the old things are? All things have become new. So you are a new man. My identification now is no longer in my outward man. I'm now identified by the inward man. I know where I am. See, see, that's why you can't, I, I was telling them back in the room back there, they said, well, somebody don't like that. I don't need anybody to like me. I like me. 
and I know who I am in Christ, and He likes me. So why are we concerned about what somebody else thinks, whether they like us or not? And I read something in the Bible, it was somewhere in this Bible, I'm sure I read it, it said that Jesus made of Himself of no reputation. And if Jesus is not concerned about His reputation, why are we concerned about our little measly reputation? Who are we that we should be concerned that somebody talked about us or they don't invite us to a party or, you know, they won't speak to us anymore? That's their problem. Girl, I'm going to take you back to Arkansas. <laughs> Come on, think about it. Did Jesus ever pray a prayer that was not answered? No. It's either it was answered or it's going to be answered. There's some things he said that are still a little future. He always got his prayers answered. In the prayer that Jesus prayed, he says that we, in that prayer Jesus lets us know when he prayed in that high priestly prayer, that the church, his body, would become one and that the world would see it. And when they saw that we were one, they would believe that God sent him. So this is what I mean, that the world is waiting on us. Yes, it's going to continue to get worse and worse and worse, but it's waiting on us. It's waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. Now, just because Jesus prayed that prayer don't mean things will automatically happen. We have to do our part. Because racial and ethnic division is nothing new. Nothing. In the book of Acts, remember, what, what was the first fight in the book of Acts as division? You know what it's about? Food. The Grecians were not, their widows were not getting, eat at home. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You, and we have to understand this, that Satan doesn't care what, he, what we are divided on as long as we are divided. Come on, you divide you over food? You know, that's, in America, our biggest problem is food. Too much of it. I'm not going there. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But they set up shop in Jerusalem and they didn't move until persecution came. Because listen, they thought they were better than the Gentiles. Then they were scattered. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Watch this. They were scattered about in different places and cities but they still only preached to the Gentiles. I mean, excuse me, to the, to the Jews. Verse 19, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. What did Jesus tell them to do? Go out into all the world. But they stayed with their little group. Jesus has been putting up with this racial bigotry for long enough. And he's ready for it to come to an end. So what's the solution? What's the solution? The things that we must recognize about racial and ethnic division. Number one, it is a learned behavior. Now there's a spirit behind it, but it's a learned behavior. It is passed down from one generation to another, whether intentional or unintentional. We speak division in our everyday language. We refer to one another as white brother, black brother, like Bishop talked about, 
hyphenated brother, white church, black church. Is Christ divided? No. A child doesn't know what they are until somebody tells them. These two women took their, not together, they just happened to be at, in the same dentist's office, two ladies, and they had their little girls with them, little small children. So the one girl goes over to the other, the little baby, and starts wanting to play with her. And every time she got beside her, the other little girl would get up and walk away. So she moved over to where she was at to play with her again. You know, our children just want to play. She moved over. And so finally, she asked her, why won't you play with me? And the little girl said, my mama told me not to play with black people. Watch this. The little girl looked at her. She held her arm up in front of her. She says, but I'm not black. I'm brown. <laughs> now, the mother's right there in the waiting room. She was so embarrassed. She grabbed the little girl and ran out. She should have been embarrassed. Teaching a little child something like that. Think about it. She taught her children, that little baby, that she was better than another child just because of her skin color. Now, that works both ways. That works both ways. She sowed that wicked seed into that child's heart. And someone has to pluck it out by telling her the truth. That God is no respecter of persons. And no person has no more value as a human being than any other human being, no matter what their status is in life. See, when you know this, because you know you're God, then you don't get messed up about this stuff. You don't get messed up about it. If there's any person, any person on the face of the earth, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let's, let's say Christian, and you think you're better than another human being, that means that Jesus did not die for that person. That's what it means, that Jesus didn't die for them. But John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So if this same Jesus that died for you and your superior little self <laughs> didn't die for this person because they're a little, because uh, they, they're running around the jungle, you know, we see certain people and that little I'm better than them will rise up in you. You have to shut it down. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in there. You have to shut it down. You have to shut it down. I remember when I got saved. I was a good little Christian. And we were coming through, my sister and I were driving through this particular neighborhood. I've probably been saved 30 days. So I was good, you know. And so we drive through this neighborhood and these guys were standing around with whiskey bottles drinking, you know, it was in the wintertime, they warming their hands at the barrel. And I said, look at them. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. And my sister said to me, you weren't. See, because I had gotten cleaned up. Right. Now I'm better than them. Jesus didn't die for them. So if there's anybody that you feel like you're better than, when you see these little tribes in the jungle, and they ain't got nothing on but a G-string, and you think you're better than them, you need another dip. Because Jesus died for them.
And if Jesus died for them, they have equal value with any other person. Glory to God. So if we're not willing to do this, let's take John 3, 16 and rip it out the Bible and throw it away. So number two, racial division must be purged out of the body of Christ, not by programs and superficial gatherings, but by yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to cleanse our hearts from this sin of division, pride, and fleshly identification. That's what has to happen. I mean, there are times when we, we can get other people to change. I remember uh, some years ago, this is back in the, in the, in the late 80s, and, uh, uh, you know, the church I went to, most of the people there, well, actually, all but two people there looked like me. But, you know, I'd read the Bible a little bit. And I, and I read what Paul said to Barnabas in the book of Acts. Let us go and see our brothers and check upon our brothers in other cities. So I went over to the other side of town and, and uh, you know, went to this church where it looked like a whole lot of y'all. <laughs> and, but what I discovered, remember we said color, culture. The culture in there was just a little bit different because during praise and worship, they were clapping on the one and three beat. We bring the sacrifice of praise. I'm like, what? I said, okay. I heard a little bit of that doing praise and worship here. I just smile. But, yeah, glory. But anyway, so I said, okay. So we got through the first song, got through the second song. I said, okay, now I'll put up with this for two songs. Third song, we're going to change. Now I'm one person in an auditorium that, you know, about 2,000 people in there. So the music started and I just <laughs> loud like that. And then, so the guy in front of me, and he started on the two and the four beat. Then everybody on my row, pretty soon the whole church, Lily White was on the two and the four beat. I changed them. I changed them. Because there are times when we can change people, but then there are times when we have to change. My last uh, training mission, 2007, we were at Fort, Fort Bliss, El Paso, Texas. We were there for seven weeks. And uh, now wherever I go, I still like to go to church. I don't go on vacation and not go to church. So Sunday rolled around on Sunday, we go to church. And so I thought, I, I, I found a church, it was a church, it was English-speaking church. I went there the next Sunday, I thought, you know what? Man, I'm gonna go visit my brothers and sisters at a non-English-speaking church. Because I remember this young man that came to our church and uh, he seemed to be of Hispanic descent and he couldn't speak English much, but he came into our service. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna go into service where I can't speak their language. Because my brother was there, he, he came in fellowship just because we were brothers. So I went to the church, and you know, I, they, they gave the little things there, but you know, you, 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 it really wasn't, a, you know, you want to hear it. But what I, I learned is that hallelujah is the same in every language. Ah. Huh? And so, 
you know, I couldn't really understand what was being said. So when someone looked at me, I look at them and just say, hallelujah. <laughs> and we look at each other and smile and say hallelujah and just point to God. Hallelujah. Cristo. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But see, it's not Crisco, Cristo. <laughs> but you know, sometimes we can get people to change, but then sometimes we have to change. We have to change. And it just blessed my heart because I just wanted to fellowship with my brethren and sisters. So whatever inconvenience that may have been, and if we're going to change these things, then we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to step out there. Then number three, so the first one was what? Y'all paying attention? And number two was what? <laughs> and number three, we must tell the whole truth about everything. We must tell the whole truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly. As we say down south, put the whole skunk on the table and just let him stink. <laughs> just put him out there and let him stink. Hmm? You just got to tell the whole truth about everything. Segments of our population here in America remain in despair year after year, decade after decade, because they're not hearing the truth. And they always talk about it's somebody else's fault that I'm in the condition that I am, that I'm in. Do a little plug here for David Barton. He'll be here tomorrow. He has a CD called American History in Black and White. I'm telling you, it's worth getting. It'll bless you. It'll bless you. So we have to make sure that we are telling the truth. We can't be afraid to speak to one another about things. Again, our reputation, what's our reputation? We can't continue to just blame somebody else. The people that, uh, so, so many people that look like me, they want to blame somebody else. The man keeping me down. And then the man, he's scared to speak up because he don't want to be called a racist. All right. And then people that come to this country, they think the only place you can make it is in America. Yeah. No, if God is no respect of person, then you can make it anywhere. Largest church in the world. It's not in America. It's in Africa. Largest church building in the world. So God is God everywhere. We have to acknowledge it. So we must tell the whole truth about everything. I'm just not going to live a life on eggshells. I just, I'm just not going to do it. Whatever the terminology is, politically correct, incorrect, not correct, you missed three on the test, I don't care. I'm just not going to live like that. And if your feelings get hurt, okay, we'll be all right. Now, number four, we have to reach out to the world as one body. This is how we solve this racial issues. We got to reach out as one body. Jesus said this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. Genuine love one for another. Not because somebody made me love you or made us live side by side, but because the love of God is in my heart and I can't help but to love you because we're one. Because again, a divided church 
cannot heal a divided land. And God's heart cry is that we would become one. Like any father wants his children to be, he don't, no, no father wants to see his children squabbling. One of the last little down south, we say whoopings. My two oldest girls got was when they, they, they got into it with one another. You know, you had a long day, you come home, and, uh, and the children are squabbling, you say, now y'all cut that out. Now, I don't, I don't allow the legislator to run my house. You're not going to tell me I can't discipline my children, okay, because I feed them. And, uh, and they, they, they kept going, and they were just going, they just, wham, 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 wham. And then just out of nowhere, I just, whoosh, wham, I hit everything that moved. <laughs> Report me, go ahead. But that one took them all the way to adulthood. Because <laughs> no father wants to see his children fighting and scratching at one another. So if we're the body of Christ, we are one. We are one. We've got to take heed to Jesus' prayer in John 17 and come together at the call and command of Jesus. We're either going to come together at his call or we're going to be driven together by persecution. Can you see the persecution taking place? It'll drive us together. The body of Christ will come together because Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. <laughs> he's coming back not for a weak, sickly, begging church, but he's coming back for a powerful, strong, glorious church, one that's in charge, one that's running things, one that ain't scared of nothing and nobody, because Jesus wasn't scared of nobody, anyone. And that's the way we have to be. I mean, don't you love what Bill, Bill was saying this morning, that we are the kings. We're in charge. You got to act like you're in charge. When, when in charge, take charge. You know, I, I, I've been, I was in the military for 25 years, and, and uh one thing about, and I tell people, I say, I'm used to being in charge. So I have no problem being in charge. You're a pastor, you know, you're in charge. You're in the military, you're an officer, you're in charge. So I'm used to being in charge, I have no problem. Some of you, I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a commissioning service. I commission all of you as lieutenants into the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now take charge. Take charge. Take charge of your street. Take charge of your neighborhood. Take charge on your job. If nobody's coming to you to ask you what to do about what, you ain't in charge. God wants us to be one, friends. He wants us to be one. That's when the world is going to take notice. When we are one. I know we got some cultural differences. And when, when we become one in Christ, you can still eat your food with light seasoning. <laughs> and I can still eat my ribs. And it won't change anything. God does not care. He really doesn't. But what he cares is that we genuinely love one another, care about one another, take care of one another and stand up for one another. 
God bless you. We love you.